0: Hello, this is Calvin, and you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You've accessed the Black Talk Radio Show, and we're bringing you some social commentary from an African-American perspective. One thing I must let you know, though, is that the views and opinions expressed on this program do not necessarily reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this show and others, please log on to KUCI. Okay, you guys, I'm real excited today. I got a young man here. His name is Marlon Haywood, and we're going to be talking about some things that you guys need to hear. Marlon, how you doing, man?
1: I'm doing well.
0: Oh, great, great, great. Listen, um, what I want to do first is um, just give you a little bit of what it is that i've said about you thus far because i put a little something on the uh website as well as on facebook and i think that you're entitled to hear what i said <laughs> and what it is is that kuci's black talk radio show on wednesday february the 18th 2014 from 4 p.m to four thirty p.m pacific time I'm- brings to the forefront marlon haywood I'm- who served as a transition specialist for the adult education department at malcolm x college in chicago and went on to develop the male mentoring program, Urban Male Initiative. He has also founded Marlon Speaks LLC, which is a platform that allows him to use his voice and experience to promote social change. Let's hear directly from Marlon his experiences, strengths, and hopes, and how they relate to the challenges faced by us all. So it's a pretty tall order, ma'am, but I know <laughs> I know you can you can make it happen. So I'd first like to to start off, ma'am, by just. Letting the people know who you are uh, and how you got started in doing what you do.
1: Well, my name is Marlon Haywood, and for me, I grew up on the south side of Chicago in the Inglewood area. And from there, I grew up with my grandmother attending church and being involved within the community with her. Just kind of seeing how she helped people. And she always believed that her blessing came from giving back to other people. So I always witnessed and saw that. And then once I went to college, I got involved with an organization called Black Male Initiative. And with that, the whole purpose and sole purpose was mentoring, and helping young African American men uh, to graduate, to make sure that they transition from college and then to graduate to be successful. So getting a part of that is kind of what helped me get that footing and idea to come back. Once I got to Chicago to start a male mentoring program on my own, Mm-hmm. And then really to kind of pay it for how people did it for myself, or did it for me.
0: Okay. So you, you say you when you got back to Chicago, where were you?
1: Well, when I was off at college, so I, I was I did undergrad and grad school. So I had went straight through and doing that. So I did you know, seven years I was off at college.
0: No, I'm saying where was that at? What college?
1: Oh oh yeah. So it was at North Illinois University. Okay. Uh, so uh, in Cab, Illinois, which is about an hour, I'd say it's
0: 15 minutes from Chicago. Mm-hmm. Okay, okay. Uh, and so you say that pretty much your grandmother inspired you. Uh, and what you're doing basically, man, is, is, is feeding off of what she's done. But uh, the thing is, if you're mentoring males, then you ha- had to, I would think anyway, had some input from a male figure in terms of being able to transmit to the males, uh, you know, some male stuff. How did that happen for you? Or was there anyone, or did you just pick all this stuff up by yourself? Or was there a male, a significant male in your life that kind of, you know, helped you with that?
1: No, I can't give credit to myself. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, so so for me, um, as I spoke earlier, I was a part of the, the male mentoring group or the organization at NIU called Black Male Initiatives.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and once and so from then I was involved in that organization from my freshman year all the way until my senior year until I graduated. And then once from there I ended up serving as a grad advisor, grad assistant for that organization. also joined, um, which is a newer black male fraternity it's called Farrada, and our whole sole purpose is mentorship. So the national philanthropy of the organization is to Mentor a Teacher brother. Okay. I had an older gentlemen that really mentored me, that helped me, and really taught me a lot about mentorship and the importance of it. So, in watching those in the I was able to learn from them, see what they do, to see their passion, see how they went into the community, and and from there, I was able to really follow their footsteps. Just recently, um, through through our group that we started, um, we mentor a teacher brother. We actually purchased a building about three, four years ago on the 115th in Wentworth, okay. on the south side of Chicago. Mm-hmm. What we do is is that we conduct mentor sessions um, with gentlemen that stay within the Rosen area, some within the South Shore, and, I mean, not even just within that community, but even if they stay just within Chicago and they're able to get, make it there, um, we mentor them every, every Sunday, have sessions with them for about an hour, starting at 3 o'clock from 3 to 4. Um before that time and after the time, you know, they're allowed to play games, to socialize, to eat food. But it's to really give them a safe environment where they can feel comfortable with coming together and have a positive environment where they don't have to worry about being unsafe and they have people that are like minded um that are trying to move
0: forward. Wow. Now, when you when you first started at 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 Northern, um you were a freshman and what drew you to the mentoring program there?
1: Well, I was sitting in the cafeteria area, this was literally my first day on campus, and it was an older gentleman, and I guess he was just recruiting African-American men, and he said, hey, you should be a part of this, this group and organization. And you know, I was like, well, what is it called? He's like, this BMI, it's Blackmail Black Initiative. So he was telling me about it, but then from there, you know, once he told me about everything and, and about the whole focus was to help individuals to graduate from college. I "Hey, this sounds like something I would wanna do, one of the things that BMI does that they ask all of the, the males, we, we would have meetings every Monday at 5 o'clock, and they ask all the males to dress up. So in polos and shirts and
2: ties,
1: suit, disk a cardigan, sweaters, because they wanted to change the typical stereotype of the black male. So typically if you see a, a black male, young black male dressed up, they would wow. say, oh, well, do you we have an interview? Are you going to a you funeral? Know, uh, you know, where exactly is it that you're going that you dress up? Well, you must have a court case. So... Mm-hmm. What we wanted to do was to spell it. When we first started doing it, everyone was asking, why are you all dressed up? What is the reason?
2: <laughs> we right. began, but
1: Then it became such a norm that mm-hmm. the women on campus started, started saying, oh, you must be a part of BMI. Which oh, is like, wow.
2: Because
1: you're dressed up. So it became where it wasn't just now, why are you dressed up? It's like, oh, that's because that's BMI,
2: because they dress up.
1: So I really never forgot that because it got me in the mode of dressing up more. Okay. I used to dress up you know, for special occasions but it got me into a habit of really getting into just dressing up.
2: Mm-hmm. Where it
1: just wasn't for a special occasion but because hey it was you know, I would like to look nice on a Monday. Right. Me a different right. style and, and I really appreciate that and kinda of taught me a lot of values where I really able to take that into the mentoring programs that I started mm-hmm. when I got back to Chicago.
0: Yeah, that uh, that that's a very important piece too, man. Because I remember growing up, and, and believe it or not, man, I uh I grew up on the south side of Chicago as well, and I remember when we went to used to go to Roslyn because Roslyn was a really, really, really nice community, and uh, of course it was it was all white at the time. You know, but when we went there, we had to dress up. You know, my mother wouldn't let us go to Roseland to go to the show or wherever it was we were going unless we were dressed up. And that's something that kind of faded away, you know, like 20 years ago when people started becoming more casual, which I don't think is anything wrong with it. But I think it's so very important that we, especially black folks, you know, understand that there's something to that. You know, it puts you in a whole different perspective because I don't know about you, man, but when I put on a suit, I become a different person. I don't know how oh, you yeah. do <laughs> you know
1: And I think for me, because I have such a young face, so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm 27 years old, but I look a lot younger than that. Okay. So specifically, if I'm not dressed up. People will think, like, oh, you look like a teenager. Or
0: right, right, so, right. So
1: it's, when I have that that suit on, that suit and tie or the suit and a bow tie, and my shoes are clean, and it, it changes your whole face
2: it, it really certainly makes does.
1: you feel as though you're walking in a room with authority, which is why I tell so many young men that I mentor: it is important that you have a suit, a shirt, and tie, because we have gotten to a place where we don't have to dress up. Uh, who you know, and uh, this is who I am. Mm-hmm. And I think that you know, the power is being taken away from them And if you never had that experience, how it feels to walk in the room, pseudo, right. and you walk into the room with other black men, where it's like twenty of you all, and you all have on shirts, ties, and suits
0: exactly and it
1: just makes the, the world of
0: this mm-hmm. definitely so definitely so 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 you graduated from you got your bachelor's and a master's at at northern yes okay what'd you get your your your, your degrees in
1: so i got my bachelor's in liberal studies okay and i did my master's degree in adult
0: and higher education oh so my, my goodness and, and yeah. that that took you to malcolm x on yeah. uh, to uh, for, for a job did it not
1: I, well soon after i graduated yeah, I started working at Malcolm X. I graduated in May, and I started working at Malcolm X in July.
0: Okay, okay. Listen, man, there's a story I heard. I don't know how true it is, but I I heard that you had a hard time getting a job at first. Is that true?
1: That's true. Uh, <laughs> uh, very, very uh, correct. Is that when I I went off and did this placement exchange, and which is is through the field is through National Association Student Personnel Administrators. And I had went down to Phoenix, Arizona. I had 12 job interviews lined up.
2: Oh, my goodness. And then from there,
1: I had a few job interviews lined up in Chicago. So I'm like, surely Mm -hmm. I'm going to get one of these jobs. Okay. And and I never forget that, you know, I I was prepared. I was ready. I've always considered myself to be an articulate individual. And, you know, I was like, hey, I know I can get one of these jobs because I'm just that good. I just had that type of confidence. Uh Uh-huh. And when I went down to Phoenix, Arizona, and then I started interviewing for different jobs, nothing worked out. When I say I didn't get not one offer, I came back home defeated. And and I and I never felt that before because I am like, wow my I was told to go to college to get a to get a degree so you can get a good job. And then I felt that I did everything right that I was supposed to do. And uh-huh. you feel as though I did everything right but it's still not working out. What is wrong with me and why you know, and this and it's like well this system is set up for me not to succeed. And that's kinda of how I began to feel and I felt myself kind of getting depressed, and I, and I was getting down. And then I had a conversation with my grandmother and my cousin at the time. And my grandmother said, listen, God's been bring you this far to let you down. If you look back over your life, everything that did not work out for you, every door that closed, it always ended up working out to a business for you. And so you just have to look at back at this moment to know that something greater and bigger is on this way for you. You just can't see it right now, but you will see it once you make it there. But trust God and believe that it's going to work out. Wow. And then, you know, when you're hearing that, you're like, oh, you know, you're just thinking of it as a cliche. Mm-hmm,
2: that you're just saying mm-hmm. there to try to
1: make me feel good. So at that moment, I never forget that I went home and, my, and when I made it back home from my, from my flight, I was going back to school down in the couch. And I got on my floor because I was feeling so down. I remember the words that my grandmother said. And I got on my floor and I prayed and I said, all right, listen, I'm going to trust you and I'm going to give it to you because I don't know what else to do.
2: Wow. From
1: there, um, I got back up the next morning. I began to start applying to jobs. I applied to so many jobs, I forgot what jobs I applied for.
2: <laughs> Is that within right? Seven,
1: yeah, and within seven days, that's when that I then got a call from Malcolm X. said, hey, you applied for a transition specialist position, and we would like for you to come interview. And I'm like, I don't remember applying for that, but I didn't say it. Right, <laughs> I just knew right. I don't remember what I applied for.
2: Mm-hmm. And
1: and when I went for the interview, you know, they, they, they loved me. And then from there, I made it past the first round, the second round, and the third round. And it was there, being at Malcolm X, that I've been able to do so much from starting the Merrill Mentoring Program and, and help so many other gentlemen to succeed and, and to be successful in life from transitional or mm-hmm. transferring to a four-year college. And for me, then, meeting a mentor that helped me start Mom and Speak, so it gave me the idea. And then from there, I ended up going into Rush, working there as a Help Desperate Research Fellow. So I think about that. If I would not have came back to Chicago, because I, I didn't apply for no jobs in Chicago. I didn't want to work here. I didn't want to come back. Because everything else mm-hmm. happened, I would not have helped so many other people. Right?
2: I if, right. I never,
1: if I never, if any one of those jobs would have worked out for me, I would not have been doing the things that I'm doing now.
0: Mm, exactly. I didn't
1: see it. But it was set up for me
0: to be exactly where I'm at at this moment. Wow, wow. That's that's something coming from a 27-year-old cat, man. That's uh, that's a <laughs> lot of wisdom right there, my brother, I'm telling you. A lot of wisdom. takes most of us a very long time, man, to come to the realization that everything that we're doing is preparation for the next thing that we're supposed to do. And so we just need yeah. to be confident where we are and do what we do in order that we can, you know, become who we've been ordained to become. You know, yeah. and I and I sincerely believe that, and I hear it in you as well. And um, I, you said at the beginning that you, you know, you and your grandmother went to church every Sunday. What, how is that affecting your life today? Do you feel going to church every Sunday?
1: Well, well, for me, because I went to church every Sunday. Um, you know, well, my, my grandmother, I, I, I went to church, but you know how you're just going to church for someone else. I went to church because I was just going. I played the drum.
2: Mm -hmm. And I
1: knew and, you know, you always hear about God, you always hear about faith, you always hear about how I would do this and help out and work things out. But then it was not then into that moment where I got to a place where I went off to college. I didn't know how the tuition bill was going to get paid.
2: Mm -hmm.
1: And I'm like, well, how do I get this to you? Because I don't know how this is going to get paid for. And then all of a sudden, let's say I'm walking somewhere. Somebody said, hey, listen, I got a, you know, scholarship that I think you can qualify for, you should apply for it. Like what? I was just thinking, in my head, how is it going to get paid for? Okay. Then it gets taken care of. Or wow. I remember, I never forget that my books got stolen and my car got broken into, it and I didn't have the money to, to pay for it. I was like, What am I going to do? And I was walking into a minute. I walked into an administrator, and then he he said, "How's you doing?" And I said, "I'm not doing too well because my books got stolen." He said, well, "How much was it?" And I told him exactly the cost. It was like six hundred dollars total, like 600 dollars total. He said, "Okay, well, give the the amount." That you owe for your book um, to my my administrative assistant. And we're gonna cover the total cost. Oh man! So it was it was situations <laughs> like that. While we're while we where I would literally find myself like I just couldn't call home to ask mm-hmm. you know, because I knew my grandmother probably didn't have it like that, my mother or my father. Or so, and so I was like I don't really want to bother them. So what am right. I gonna do? Mm-hmm. I turned to what I knew. For my grandmother told me it's like trust and believe God, and that's wow. what I did. Wow.
2: And every
1: time I did that. It literally worked out into my favor. Literally, um, just doors were open. Mm-hmm. And so it was sad. I was like, wow, just looking at how things worked out for me, it's where I begin to really have my faith strengthened.
0: Okay, okay. Let's that right now. Yeah. You know, I think it's so very important that all of us have a spiritual foundation, and I, for one, don't believe that any one denomination or one belief is the belief. I believe that whatever it is that you believe in, you know, that's the relationship you have with whole Ever you believe is your higher power you know what i mean yeah. and so anything that anybody does in that regard is fine with me because i think as i said that the spiritual foundation is key you know and it's a way of life it's not something that you just do like you don't just go to church you know what i'm saying you you practice what you hear in the church in your life every day you know and that's that's so important and like you were just saying man you get rewards from that you know <laughs> you get rewards from doing what you're supposed to do you know and things will be taken care of that you never expected to be taken care of you know i i was i was uh thinking about man how you you know at at malcolm x college that's a that's an adult uh uh environment you know and so you 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 know helped adults to obtain you know uh a further educ to further their education you know, and now in working with teens, you know, with young young people, young males, how does that transition work for you? Was it was it kind of difficult to jump from one to another, or, or how did it work for you?
1: Well, well, well when I first graduated college, um, and I never forget, you know, that my, my first role was as a transition specialist working with the adult education department. Now, when I was in college, and I was in grad school, I was used to working with teen with teenagers and Preteen.
2: So, oh, okay. seven,
1: eighth grade, 12, 13 years old, mm-hmm. high school meals. That's what I was used to mentoring and worked with. And then when I went to, you know, when I graduated college, they said, hey, we're going to put you as a transit specialist. Oh, you, this is the first day you'll be here at the main campus, but um, tomorrow we're going to send you off to the West Side. Now, if you know the thing off West Side? They sent me to Cape Town.
2: Ah, uh, yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> yeah, to the West, to the west
1: Side Learning Center off Madison and there, off out yep. the of Vidoc. Uh-huh. So I go over there, and I'm like, well, what is this? Like, well, what are you sending me? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> this is exactly. Like, what are you sending me? And I'll, I'll be honest, I was nervous. I was uh-huh. scared uh-huh. because, again, I have a young face, and I'm young, and right. most of the people right. I was working with were adults, were mm-hmm. typically my age or older. But I appreciate that experience.
2: Yes. I was able
1: to gain such an appreciation because now it showed me that some people, they didn't have a choice
2: in mm-hmm, life mm-hmm, to where mm-hmm. they ended up at. Some right. people,
1: they were born into a family where it was drugs,
2: mm-hmm. it was
1: molestation, it was abuse.
2: right, right. Um, it was
1: it was gang activity, and so they did what they had to do to survive and to succeed. So many mm-hmm. times we look down on those on those individuals and say, "Hey, it's your fault. You can get your bootstraps and pull them, pull yourself up."
2: But right. it's just not
1: that easy for exactly. some people because. They have tried, but they continue to keep getting knocked down.
2: Mm-hmm, so I mm-hmm.
1: was able to see that. And when I was able to hear the stories of some people who, you know, just life just didn't work out the best for them. Exactly. They did what they had to do to succeed. Yeah. So it was being there that I think I was able to just see life from a different perspective. I was working with guys who would be considered straight thugs, I guess you could say.
2: Mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. But I
1: didn't see them that way. Right. I thought them different. You know, I'm like, hey, this is, you know, they would have tattoos on their neck, mm-hmm. on their arms and again, but then... And in, in turn, in return, again, I saw something so different from them. Right. And this is what I was able to see. And mm-hmm. I was, you know, working with single mothers who would have three or four kids.
2: Oh, okay. And,
1: you know, where the father, let's say maybe the father was dead or the father was locked up. And now they have to take care of these kids by themselves. And now they're trying to get their GED on top of working at Wendy's and
2: McDonald's. Mm, mm. We were
1: trying to support three kids at one time. And I know right. forget I was talking to a, a single mother and she was telling me about how, you know, she didn't really know how her kids were gonna have Christmas because again, she had three kids. One of the one of the kids, you know, two of the kids, I think one two of the kids had the same father was in jail. The other one was sick. And so it was a lot just on her. And so she began to kind of cry and I said, you know what? It was laid so heavy in my heart you know what, I wanna make sure that these kids have a, a Christmas like they never forget anymore. So what okay. I did is that I asked many different organizations I'm a part of, different friends, like, listen, I wanna to donate to this to this, this young lady and her kids. Can you all like let's donate gifts, clothes, shoes? Like I want new. I don't want just want used. I want new. So I had so much stuff donated that I got people to donate. we walked in that house, I mean, her mouth just dropped. She couldn't believe it, she could just do number cry. And I think that's what it's about is that, you know, showing people love and, so, you know, where, yes, I may not know you like that. You may not know me, but then if I have the resources to help you and assist you, why not do that? Mm. Many times we talk about it's going to get better. It'll be all right. But then yet we can't—we have the resources and tools to help people
2: right. through
1: their situation, but we don't do it.
2: Mm-hmm. And I've
1: experienced so many times where through my helping someone else has been a blessing to me. When I've given to someone else and in Back in return, it's been given back to me double. Exactly,
0: exactly. And that's
1: what it's about. It's about paying it it. And it's not about the degrees. It's not about the titles. It's not about what position you have. Because you can be in a top position. You can be a lawyer. You can be a doctor. But you can be miserable because, again, what are you doing to help somebody else? That's what a true fulfillment comes in at.
0: Wow. Man, you uh you 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 never cease to amaze me, man, from the time you started talking up until this point, you know. And I could turn those numbers around and make you seventy two years old because you had that much wisdom, man. You know, I'm I'm real serious about that, Marlon. And something that you you express, man, in terms of having to go to the West side, you know, and a lot of people don't understand, man, that we, you know, cause a lot of times black people are put into just one particular box, you know, and everybody thinks that everybody that's black does this or does that. They have no idea that we go through things as well, man. And it's hard that people don't know Chicago, the west side and the south side of Chicago in the black communities are entirely different. We dance different, we talk different, we walk different. You know, it's an entirely different thing. And to go from one environment on the south side to an environment on the west side and to be able to to deal with the people in both arenas, man it's a job in and of itself and I I have to say, man I think it's you know, it's great that you were able to do that and I know that it has helped you to get to the place where you are today because you, I'm sure have no, you know apprehension about going anywhere to help anybody and that experience allowed you to be able to see things from that perspective and that's that's a beautiful thing, man and I and it's just so amazing Man, that 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 the connections that I have with 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 the people I talk to, and I I I went to Malcolm X before it was Malcolm X. It was Crane Junior College when I went there, you know. And 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 it was the same for me, man. Going from the South Side to the West Side, it was scary. And I think I got my coat take stolen from me, man. The, you know, the first week I was there, you know. So it's uh, it, but I learned from it as you did, man. And and I know that you're gonna continue doing what you're doing because you're on a mission, man. <laughs> <laughs> you know, from what I'm hearing, you on a mission. And you're doing some things. I, I You know, I, I got another little piece, man, that I heard about you, and, and and the things that you're doing demonstrate that you believe this. You know what I'm saying? And what it says is that do not get discouraged when life disappoints you. Sometimes our setback is preparing us for a greater comeback. We just have to be disciplined enough to endure the hurt, pain, and feelings of defeat to keep moving toward our goals in life. What is that about, man? you
1: <laughs> oh wow you're bringing back some memories <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay
1: you know and, and to be honest sometimes i need to remind myself and and as i'm talking it, it really is kind of let my because you you begin to go through current situations and you forget everything that you have went through
2: mm-hmm. that helped
1: build you up to be where you are right now okay but one story is i think it started for me is I never forget that I was in eighth grade. You probably like you going all the way back to eighth grade.
0: Yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> That's okay.
1: And so uh, in eighth grade I, I graduated I had straight A's. I actually had good test score you know, good test scores. Uh-huh. When I graduated and I graduated like number two. Oh, my goodness. that you know, if you know anything about Chicago,
0: mm-hmm. in order
1: to get to the top schools, you have to test into them.
0: Right, exactly.
1: So even though they, like, hey, we want you to come, you got to a place where we, we are now eligible to test, but I didn't take it seriously because nobody told me, oh, you got to take the test seriously. So for me, I didn't take none of the test seriously. I thought, hey, because I got straight A, because I graduated number two, because I did good on my test scores, on the IO test scores, hey, I'm good to get in.
0: Right. I didn't, right.
1: but I was mistaken. I was wrong. So the next thing you know. I got a letter, I got a denial letter from every high school that I applied to. Every one. So I don't God. When I said God I'd be shutting some doors down on me, He really do. So the high school that I really wanted to go to was Morgan Park High School at the time. Mm. Uh, it still is Morgan Park High School. Okay. And I had I had applied for the International Baccalaureate program. <clears throat> and again, I didn't take the test seriously. I just went, showed up, you know, didn't you know think anything of it. Now all of my friends who barely graduated eighth grade, who kind of got back because it was the area high school they got in. It was not my area of high school, so I didn't get into the school. And I never forget because I was so disappointed. I cried, I cried for like two weeks straight, two or three weeks. Wow. I felt myself get depressed because I had again, I had worked hard, I had straight A's, I had top, you know, uh, scores when it came to the IELTS test. I think I scored on the tenth grade level in eighth grade, and then here is and now. I didn't get into no top high school at all. Mm-hmm. And now I have no high school, so I end up going a local area high school, another name school. And it was horrible. I mean, it was fights. It was weed smoking in the bathroom, police outside all the time. And I said, God, I don't understand. Like, why do you have me here? Like, what is this? Like, how did I do so well to get here? So I ended up going to the school, and, I mean, it was literally, I just, but something in me said, don't give up. Keep working hard. I worked as hard as I could. After my first semester, I had, I got all A's and one B. I think I ranked. 20 out of 635 questions, and I, I never I never forget that. Wow. So then I, and so then that second semester, I ended up working hard again. Mm-hmm. So I was determined to transfer. I said, you know what, if I stay here, I don't think I'm going to do well. I need to really transfer.
2: Okay.
1: So I, I ended up working as hard as I could. It was a school called CHAS, the school that I graduated from, Chicago High School. I had a coach science.
2: Uh-huh. And i never forget that
1: I kept calling and trying to, because my doctors like, have you ever heard of this school called CHAS? I said, no, he's like, it's a great school. I think you should really look into it. It's a it's a school focused on agriculture studies.
2: Mm-hmm. So
1: I kept calling, me and my, I was calling. They kept saying, We have a long wait list. We're not taking anyone else. And I was like, Okay, well, wow, okay. They kept telling me that. Well, we're not taking anyone else. Something told me, Don't give up.
2: Right. Um, to right. just
1: go up there. So I called one day and said, Hey, well, can I can I come up there? And they was like, Yeah, well, you can come up there. We still have a long wait list. It doesn't make a difference, but you can come. So I told my dad. My dad was like, Well, Marlin, why is you still trying to go? They told you I long wait And I said, I just feel it. Let's, let's just go. So he he's like, okay, i drive you just to show you. I said, oh, you're going to show me. No, you're going to see.
2: <laughs> 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 so,
1: so we drove up there. And I got my transcript and everything. And it was the counselor. We talked to him. And I looked over. He said, well, again, we have this long list, but we're not taking anyone else. But i take your transcripts to keep it for you. And then he said from there, uh, he said, I can't promise you anything, but, again, i just look at it. And I looked over to the left. I saw all these transcripts in the garbage. And I said, he's just going to throw my transcripts in the garbage. But mm-hmm. I still gave it to him.
0: Okay, okay. I
1: literally hadn't made it home. I made it halfway home. And my grandma said, they, the school called and said, come back up there.
0: Wow. I'm like, what? Okay,
1: so we came back up there. And he said, listen, I looked at your transcripts. You ranked so high. You did so well. I can't let you go. This is my, he said, I don't know what it is. But something is telling me to let you in.
2: Mm. This is
1: my last day. This is what he said. This is my last day. And I'm going to go ahead and admit you and enroll you, even when I don't suppose to. And this is going to be my last gift that I do and give anybody because I'm about to retire today. So I'll see you later, and I will never see you again. I said, well, look at that. <laughs> and again, I was in only in my freshman year in high school. Mm-hmm. Uh, but because I had such the faith and because, yeah, I had got turned down, because right. I could have just said, you know what? They said, no, it's not going to work out and forget it, but I didn't. And I kept moving forward. and And me graduating from there – helped to really put me in a great position where I was able to have a job working for a a, corpor- uh, a financial corporation at 16, 17 years old, you know, at you know doing that type of work. So, so many doors got open for me going to that high school. And if I priced at the other high school, it would not have happened the same way. So, I just that's what I'm talking about, just because defeat, a lot of times, knocks at your door because you kind of get, things are delayed, it don't happen as fast as you want it to happen does not mean that it's not going to happen. You sometimes have to keep pushing, keep walking for it. Um, and sometimes it's like a storm. If you have a storm, a storm happens in, in one location sometimes. And so a storm can happen in one location, but it's not happening in another one. But if you keep walking through that storm, eventually you will walk through it, the storm will be over. And then you can turn around and look back and see, well, this is what I just overcame. This is what I just walked out of. So sometimes it's the same thing. You've got to keep walking through what you're feeling, through the hurt, through the pain. And then once you make it through, you gonna say, "Wow, I made it through!" And if I would have stopped, I would have never made it out. And that's kind of the
0: concept of what I was talking about. With that. Wow, that's beautiful, man. <laughs> that's beautiful. Listen, man, uh, it's uh, it's time to time to cut this off. Uh, I really, really, really enjoyed myself, man. And it's so good hearing from you because the fact of the matter is that I'm a you know I'm I'm a lot older than you. And uh, the things that you're talking about, man, having done at a young age, I just started doing those kinds of things, man, when I reached 40, 50 years old, you know what I mean? And to hear that coming from you, man, is so very inspirational, and I'm sure that everybody that's listening to this show, man, has been inspired by the things that you've said and the things that you're doing. So I just have to tell you, man, just continue being who you are and continue doing what you do, and the whole universe is gonna benefit as a result. You know, uh, I, I just so appreciate you, Marlon. And if you have anything, man, you want to send a shout out or say something, leave us with a, a parting word or something like that, feel free to do so right now.
1: Well, I, I want to say that thank you for having me. Um, and if anyone wants to, I guess, follow me, you can always uh, come check out MarlonSpeaks.com, M A R L O N S P E A K S dot com, com. just if you want more information. Check me out
0: there. Okay. And I
1: want to say thank you for having
0: me. I appreciate it. Oh, no problem, man. And I'm going to get this this recording to you, uh, you know, for sure, man, because you need to hear this and you need to share this with everybody that didn't get a chance to listen to it. Uh, And uh, as I said, man, just keep being you and doing what you do. And uh, I'll talk to you later on, Marlon. Have a good one, man. All
1: right. Appreciate
0: it. You too. All right. Okay, you guys. Uh, What I want to do right now is just to let you know that this is KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine. You just got an opportunity to hear Marlon Haywood, and uh, uh, he has a lot, a lot to say, and he's backing it up by what he does. Uh, And there's something that's going on on campus here at UCI, and that's a Black Urban Music Conference. And we got a little public service announcement, I think, that kind of gives you an idea of what that's going to be about. This is Calvin, and I want to let you guys know that KUCI is proud to support the upcoming Black Urban Music Conference. Now, there's going to be discussions, dialogue, and two special concerts, one on Friday, February the 27th, with Ugoji from Chicago, and another on Saturday, February 28th, with Greg Tate's Burnt Sugar Orchestra. Both are going to be held in the Winifred Smith Hall at 8 o'clock. For more information, just log on to KUCI.org. And right now, we're going to let Greg Tate and Burnt Sugar take us home. Okay, um, this is the the second half of the um, Black Talk radio show, and what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, play a blog that I recorded earlier, and after uh, you give a listen to that blog, I'm going to come back and just give you a little bit of uh, input as to what it is that I'm really, really trying to express.: Hello, this is Calvin with blog number 87, believe it or not, with the title. Entitlement. Isn't it amazing that right now, at this very moment, we're all that we can be, we have everything we need, yet we still manage to feel that somehow we've fallen short or been shortchanged? The ongoing question that relentlessly plagues us is why is everybody else getting theirs and I can't get mine? Well, The solution, albeit hard to accept, is simple. What and how much are you doing to get what you think you're supposed to have? What I'm on right now is looking at the progress that's taken place since I was diagnosed with cancer in January of 2014 and why it doesn't seem to correlate with where I feel I should be. Comparing myself with others who have shared this experience doesn't work for me. Because people can look like they're doing better. They can act like they're feeling worse. But in the final analysis, God only knows. Because each day brings moments of exhilaration and depression, feelings of joy and pain, and all of that before we even get a chance to eat breakfast. As we experience these everyday situations, we either tackle them with careful consideration or with reckless abandon. But in the end, we're still asking ourselves, have things really gotten better? I'm sitting here this afternoon, stressing because my latest blood work shows that my white blood cell count and platelet levels are low. My glucose and ALT-AST liver components are high. And I'm wondering how in the world I gained almost 40 pounds when 25 was my goal. Then I experienced an epiphany. Calvin, I asked myself, what role are you playing in all of this? After all, you're the one that was diagnosed with cancer. Have you personally gathered enough information to accurately ascertain how you got it in the first place? Have you questioned what you can do? to prevent it from reoccurring. There's tons of information on the internet that address each and every situation we find ourselves in. And rather than stress yourself, my brother, why not stretch yourself by accessing and examining what is readily available to you? I, like most of us, want all I can get, and I want it right now. Not only that, I feel I'm supposed to have it, because I've done what it takes to deserve it. Wrong assessment, y'all. Sad as it might seem, life on this planet is played like a game of Monopoly, and the ones in the shot-calling roles are those who have hotels on Boardwalk and Park Place. Not only that, in this game of life, the shot-callers can change the rules whenever they feel a need or have a desire to do so. So you wind up getting only what others feel you're supposed to have. Now there's a way to offset this condition, and that is to do more than you're being expected to do and then allow the universe, undergirded by the grace of God, to respond accordingly. Then, although you'll only get it when you're ready to receive it, you'll get everything you got coming, and then some. So I got a message for you, doctors. Continue setting up my appointments, continue testing my blood, continue trying to convince me to take those new drugs, and to eat this and not eat that. What I'm going to be doing in the meantime is acquiring all the knowledge I can about me and my condition and then sharing and discussing my thoughts and theories with like-minded others. In the process, I can develop and maintain a positive attitude and renewed sense of satisfaction and contentment with who I am, where I am, and what it is that I'm doing to make my life better. It takes time to really accept that the only entitlement we have is an opportunity to be here. What we have to gain from that participatory existence, however, is an awareness of the unlimited possibilities available to us, that are only contingent on how willing we are to do everything we can to make them become manifest not only in our lives, but in the lives of those around us. We all got what it takes to get what we got coming, y'all. Let's go for it. I'll holler. Okay. Um, It is amazing to me, totally amazing because so many times I, I feel that, you know, I have all that I need at this moment, you know, and I feel that I'm right where I'm supposed to be. And then in a in a matter of, 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 of minutes or even seconds, you know, I, I have an entirely different attitude about it. And so it's not about always being on point. You know, it's always about always being in the mindset of I got it. I got it going on, you know, and, and, and even when we fall short, you know, reminding ourselves that, you know, I might not be able to use it right now, but I still got it, you know, and I think that's so very important for all of us and uh, it's, it's especially important for me in, in trying to uh, do what it is that I feel that I've been commissioned to do and that basically is to be of service to others. Um, and I know for a fact that I cannot be of service to others if 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 i'm if I'm not in a good space, you know I have to be in a good space in order to be uh fully aware available and and uh uh able to do what it is that I've been commissioned to do. You know, we talk about commission a couple of times because I mentioned it in the show earlier when I was talking to Marlon Haywood and um, he's uh, 27 years old. And evidently he feels that he's been, you know, commissioned to do the things that he's doing today, you know, which is mentoring uh, not only young people, but he's mentoring adults as well. You know, and uh, we talked about how he started a mentoring program or got involved in a mentoring program while he was at Northern Illinois University and that he needed it because he needed, you know, someone to talk to him about the things that he, you know, felt that he might continue to go through in regard to living life on life's terms. And he talked about how it really helped him, and it helped him to the point where he decided that after he graduated that that's something that he was going to you know, pursue, and he's doing just that on the south side of Chicago. And uh, as I said, 27 years old, already aware of the fact that he has been commissioned to do what he does and willing to do it is something that uh, I think deserves applause. You know what I mean? Especially for him, because it's so seldom that you find people in that uh, in that age group who have already decided, you know, that my life is not my own by itself, but it's to be shared with others and to, to take on that responsibility is big yeah uh, it's um myself I believe that is critical. I'm not that I believe I know <laughs> you know I know that it's critical for me to do what I do in the manner I need to do it in in order to as I said to be of service to others and the thing that i I shared in the blog in terms of my condition uh you know in 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 January of twenty fourteen was something that uh, I had shared with you guys before and I had 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 even written a blog about it and how grateful I was to have been able to survive it you know and I I think the I think I wrote it in May or June and it said cancer free y'all you know and in that blog I talked about how I've been through a lot of different changes with the chemo and that kind of thing and how grateful I was to have been able to, you know, pretty much overcome, you know, all the things that were going on in terms of the cancer's presence in my body. You know, after that, you know, uh, things were still I mean, things were still things are still great today. You know, let me let me preface what I'm getting ready to say. Things are still great today. But there are moments, as we all have, in terms of where we feel we're supposed to be in regard to whatever it is that we're going through. And I just you know, I talked to my mother this morning, and as a matter of fact, and I was telling her how important it is for me to understand that everything is a process and it takes time nothing's going to happen overnight you know but so many times I find myself looking at myself and 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 saying to myself you know I should be a lot further than I am today you know and I I you know here at, at this school for instance you know there's some things going on in the school in terms of students not feeling that whatever it is that they're supposed to have they're 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 getting you know and that some uh, mode of of, of, of uh, action needs to be taken in order to get some of those things, you know, and I'm not going to speak on what it is right now, because that would take a whole nother show. And, and that show is coming. Y'all believe that. So just keep in mind that there's something coming about the students here on campus. But anyway, Uh, The fact of the matter is, is when you look at situations that you find yourselves in and you think that, you know, why am I being treated this way? Why are these things happening to me? You know, you have to understand that, you know, you can't just look at yourself, but you have to look at the others involved as well and not take, you know, uh, a stance that they're doing something to me because they're purposing to do it. But to understand that that's just the way the system is set up you know, that's they're, they're doing what they've been told to do, you know, and they don't have to be told every time to do it, but it just becomes a second nature for them. And the uh, analogy that I, I'm going to give is is what's happening with the, you you know, with the doctors, you know, and, 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 and going in and, and them uh, taking a blood, you know, and finding out that, you know, my white blood count is low, my glucose is high, you know, and things of that nature. And then telling me, what they feel I need to do about it and, you know, then telling me to come back and, you know, and now it's three months. I don't have to go back for three months, y'all, and I'm grateful for that because it used to be six weeks. But anyway, it shows me that they feel that I'm getting better. You know what I mean? That I'm making progress, you know. But for me, it's like how am I making progress? You know, if these numbers are – are just as low some of them as they were when i first got in here what type of progress am i making you know and it's kind of scary you know to look at these things and feel that you're supposed to be in a certain spot and you're not there and then there's some 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 comedy in it as well you know because i i remember y'all and this is real serious i weighed 128 pounds you know 128 pounds and that was in you know back in january and february you know and and then i i, I would gain a little weight you know and i think probably about I would say maybe a month ago, I was up to 155, and I was like so happy, y'all. I said, "Wow, 155 pounds! I'm, I'm, I'm getting it back." And so I set a goal for myself. I said, "You know, 160, 165 would be ideal for me." You know, I said, and 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 as I said, that was about a month ago. And so I get on the scale. This morning, after all this, all this testing and blood and all that stuff, and say, Wow, what wonder what I'm wearing now. And I'm wearing 175. <laughs> pounds. And it's like, man, ain't nothing going right for me. You know what I'm saying? You know, and, and, and then there's a sense of having deserved. I mean, I, I, I seriously felt that way, you know, this morning, you know, I deserve to be better. I've been trying to eat right. I've been, you know, trying to get enough rest. I go to the doctor whenever they tell me to come, you know, I'm taking, you know, some, some supplements for myself and that kind of thing, you know? So why am I still tired? You know, why am I still going through this, these changes? You know, and I had to ask myself, Calvin, what you know, what what are you doing? You're dependent on the doctors to do everything, you know, for you, to tell you, you know, everything that's going on and then not only do you want them to tell you, you know, you want them to, to, to tell you in a, in something that's gonna help you to, to do what it is that you wanna do. You know what I mean? And so when they say, you know, well, Calvin, you know, you took the chemo and we know it messed up your system. And we know that, you know, your liver was affected and we know that this was affected. But we got some new stuff we want you (laughs) to take, you know, and it's going to help you. You're going to be better. And, you know, but wait a minute, y'all. I'm not I don't feel what you're talking about. You know what I mean? So why should I take this new stuff? Make a long story, you know, a little shorter. Uh, The fact of the matter is I'm not doing as much as I need to do to offset what I think they're not doing. You know, because as I said earlier, people are put in the positions to do what they've been told to do, and all a doctor knows is what they've been taught. They were in school for 15, 20 years learning this stuff, and how are you gonna tell them that this is not what they're supposed to do? So every time I go, I have the understanding, I have the knowledge, you know, that what they do is believe that the pharmaceutical companies that they're hooked up with you know, are going to produce something that's going to make their patient better and they're going to give that to their patient and they're going to stand on what the pharmaceuticals have told them. And I don't know whether or not that they know that some of these pharmaceuticals, if not all of them, you know, are in a, in a, a place where their main objective is to make money, you know, and, and, and damn the consequences of what might happen of you taking these, you know, this medication. You know, and the doctors are, are of the mindset because they've been through school that this is the way to go. If a person gets sick, you give a medicine, you know, and what type of medicine depends on what the illness is and that kind of thing. So I'm going to a place depending on these doctors to tell me what condition I'm I'm in, then tell me what to do to allay that condition. And then when I get back, tell me that I'm better, you know, and it just ain't happening like that. And I came to the conclusion, as I said earlier, you know. That it's about it's on me, you know. I have to make the change. I have to make the difference, you know. And so I I, I went online, y'all. I went online and I I looked up my condition, you know, and I looked for 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 uh, natural remedies to what was going on with me, you know. What can I eat to raise my white blood count? You know. What can I stop eating to lower my glucose level? You know. What can I do to quit getting bigger than <laughs> I planned be, on um, being? You know what I'm saying? And, and, and it was a plethora of information on there that the only uh, setback is that, you know, I don't do what it is that I've been pretty much instructed to do, you know. And I don't take into consideration the fact that everybody on the planet is doing them. You know what I mean? They're doing what they've been taught to do, what they're comfortable with doing, you know. And I can't take issue with them for it not agreeing with what I feel they should be doing. You know, it's all on me. You know, and so when I look at situations like I was saying about, on, you know, that are happening to students on this campus, students everywhere, people everywhere. The fact of the matter is, what can I do to offset the, the, the problems that I'm faced with? You know, it ain't what they can do, what they going to do, what they should have done, what they should do. Now, nah, it's not about that. It's about what am I going to do? It's all on me. And so the fact of the matter is, you know, we all everybody and I think it's just set up like that. You know, the, the, we just want more, y'all. We just want more, you know, and, and 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 what it is that we want might differ. You know, it might be I don't know. It could be money, could be drugs, sex, all, you know, whatever it is. You know, we all want more of it, you know, and then we get to a point of we become addicted to that desire, you know, and, and anybody that stands in our way of attaining it is something wrong with them. And we have to come to the understanding that, no, 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 no. It's not that it's something wrong with them. It's who they are, it's what they believe in, it's what they practice. You know, it's become second nature. And so then we take a look at ourselves and ask, what are you doing? You know, what's, what's up with you? You know, and wanting more, is, is, I don't think there's anything wrong with it. You know, nothing wrong with it at all. But I think we have to take a look at, you know, what our motive is for wanting more of it. You know, it's one thing to want a whole lot of money so you can have big cars and 30 houses and and everything else you want. But it's another thing that you want more money to produce some things that are going to benefit others. Those are two entirely different desires, you know, and and you have to ask yourself, what is most important for me? You know, what makes me feel okay about myself? Because if if you have ever experienced it like I have, there's been a lot of times when I've bought new things, brand spanking new and the next day I wanted something else, you know, but on the other hand, when 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 somebody asks me, you know, for, for, for a hand in something that they're doing, you know, and I'm able to do that, you know, whether they thank me or not, the satisfaction that I gain from having been able to do something for somebody else is a lot greater than having a new pair of shoes, you know, but, and it's going to last a lot longer, you know, and I'm not trying to tell anybody. That that's what you should be aspiring to do. You know, I'm just saying what what I'm on, you know, what I'm aspiring to do and how I think that it can be done. And the fact of the matter is, all of us at some point or another are going to experience, you know, this sense that I have of, of, of not enough, you know, of not being where I'd like to be. You know, of things going on around me that I'm not comfortable with, of looking at people and seeing where they are and saying they need to be doing something different. You know, or somebody affecting me in a negative way and me saying what's wrong with them? Why are they treating me like that? You know, those things are going to happen on a continual basis because we're human beings and we are experiencing some things. Let me take that back. We're spiritual beings, y'all. We're spiritual beings having a human experience, and what it takes for us a lot of times is to go back to our true selves, that spiritual self, and take a look at what it is that we're experiencing, and determine what we need to b- do about it from a spiritual perspective. You know, and that and that spiritual perspective is not anything deep. You know, it's not anything set in stone. You know, it's just doing for others what you want them to do for you you know, is is that simple. You know, so if somebody is giving you a problem, somebody is sweating you about something, just understand that that's just where they are at that point, you know, and that's the best they can do with what they got. And it's our job and should be our objective to do the best we can with what we got. And I want all of y'all to know we got a lot. We got a whole lot. We just are dependent on others to give us what we think that we don't have. Because a lot of things we're trying to get, we already got, you know, it's it's in the universe, you know, it's just a matter of us making it manifest in our own lives. And the only way that we're going to be do be able to do that is take on that task of doing what we need to do. And so I got a you know, I as I said, I got a message for the doctors, you know, you know, that you, you, you guys continue doing what you do, you know, set up the appointments, test my blood, you know, keep trying to convince me to take some new drug, whatever, whatever you got to do. But understand that in the meantime, I'm going to be doing what I got to do for Calvin. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I'm gonna be doing what I gotta do to make my role on this planet all that it can be, you know. And I know, I know I'm on a mission. I know that for a fact. And I know that in order to to, to maintain that position and to keep, you know, moving forward in that role, you know, I gotta take care of myself and I gotta quit looking at others to do for me what I can do for myself. You know, uh, the only the only thing that, you know, we, we come on, this uh, we come in uh, in this world and we, you know, through the course of, of, of growing up, you know, have this misleading uh, assumption that we're supposed to have stuff by a certain time. It, it, it ain't going to happen, y'all. It ain't going to happen. You know, we're supposed to have stuff when we're ready to receive it. And so the thing is, if you ain't got what you want right now, it's only because you ain't ready to have it. You know, so do what it takes to prepare yourself to receive it. Um, I just want to thank y'all for, for, for tuning in. And uh, I want you guys to stay tuned because Tona is gonna to be coming on and her show is a Serendipitous Love for Film, and it's gonna be from five to six o'clock PM. So you guys stay tuned. Uh, again appreciate your being here, and as always in party, I'll holla. <laughs>